uh, some of these great opportunities again out in our lobby immediately after the service, just out these doors to the left. Uh, I, I hope you will take some time uh, to check it out. Hey, we want to welcome you today uh, and good morning. My name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we're in this series, the second week of this series that we're calling Making Room uh, for Life. And we've been talking about how busy we are. And uh, last week we talked about how in our culture today and in our society, uh, it's almost a badge of honor to be able to say that you're busy, you know, and when you talk about those things that you've got going on in your life and with your kids and with your schedule, I mean, I think we kind of sort of are proud. We like how busy uh, we really are, and we know that everyone uh, is busy. But I came across an article this past week that uh, I really thought was kind of fascinating, and it offers uh, some good news for those of you that would say, you know what, I've had enough uh, of the busyness, all right? I mean, you are ready for things to get a little easier, to slow down. Well, According to this article, uh, there's some encouraging news about the future, uh, the future of free time, and more of it uh, for people like you and me, people that desire or uh, want to say, again, have had enough of the busyness. Well, based on the research, uh, here is what one group is predicting uh, for the days and the years ahead. They're predicting, first of all, that the kitchens of the future will be highly automated, all right? not real difficult to believe, uh, that a a person need uh, not only make out their menu for the week, place all of the necessary ingredients in proper storage places, and automated arms will, at the right time, retrieve, prepare, and cook all your food uh, to perfection, all right? Sounds like a good deal, right? If you don't like to cook, uh, you know these days are ahead. In addition, similarly, household robots, all right, again, we see some of this today, will handle most of the routine chores. Uh, Garbage will be removed uh, from the house automatically uh, from the receptacles and carried via underground conveyor to your curb, all right, that this is coming, all right? Hey, tired of taking out the garbage, especially in January. Uh, Vacuum cleaners, lawn mowers, and window washers will be automated and unmanned. Uh, Get this, when it comes to our work and careers and occupations, most factory workers, administrators, and even middle managers in the workplace will be replaced by computers. All right, sounds a little frightening, but but hang with me. Only high-level executives will remain, and they will be occupied making long-range strategic decisions. In fact, one prediction is that eventually only about 10% of our population will be working and that the rest of the population will get paid not to work. Now, hold your opinion, your political opinions especially here, but, but, but it's okay because the article suggests that these computers and machines will be producing so much output that pretty much everyone in the U.S. will be independently wealthy and that the average American income will be somewhere in the ballpark of $100,000 to $120,000 a year. Now, not bad, right? All right? I mean, there's some questions. Yeah, maybe a little difficult to believe. But, I mean, if you think about your life, if you think about escaping some of the busyness, I mean, who of us wouldn't want some more margin, a little extra time, a little leisure time, a little more free time? Well, here's the bad news. This article was published in Time Magazine in 1966, all right? And most of the predictions were supposed to have come to pass by the year 2000, all right? So for now, we keep busy, all right? We keep moving ahead, and our busyness uh, certainly doesn't seem uh, to be going away anytime soon. And really, when you think about it, how is that? I mean, like, how can it be? I mean, how, how can it be that we're living in the most technologically advanced society that's ever existed? I mean, we have more tools and gadgets and apps at our disposal available to us at high speed and all intended to improve our productivity, yet we are still really 
really busy. And last week, uh, we illustrated that a bit, and uh, maybe you've seen an illustration like this before. We, we talked about how our life is a lot like this glass jar, that when you think about this glass jar, uh, it's limited. It only has so much space. You and I, we only have so much space. We only have so much time. Uh, we each get 24 hours a day, and the rice in this jar just kind of represents those things that you have to do. Uh, some good, some not so good, some of those things like mowing the lawn and getting the groceries and taking care of the house and getting kids off to practices. Uh, this is, is good time. It's things that are important, things that we have to do, but it's also, well, it's some of that time that we waste too. And so it's things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, and all of these things. I mean, this is the time that when you look back on your week and you ask the question, where in the world did all the time go? That's this, all right? It's these things. We can't always account for all of it. But, but also when it comes to our time, we'll say that these objects have to do with our priorities. And uh, these are the things that are very important to us. Uh, these are those relationships around you. It's your marriage uh, to your wife or to your husband. It's your children. Uh, it's the job that you're working right now and that special project that you've been called to or assigned to. Uh, it, it's your health and, and taking care of yourself and making sure that you're getting exercise. Uh, it, it's things uh, like your faith and uh, trying to make room for church and plus two. And what we often find, I mean, isn't it true that so much of life is like this, that it just doesn't fit. That there, there's just, there isn't enough time to make it all work. And so last week we talked about the most important relationship uh, for you as a Christian, uh, for me as a Christian, as followers of Jesus, that the most important thing you can do, the most important relationship in your life, and the way we demonstrate that is to make sure that Jesus comes first. Uh, that he must be first in all things. And, uh, and if you're here and you're not a Christian today, we would say that the most important relationship that's missing from your life right now uh, is your relationship with Jesus. And here's what Jesus has the ability to do when we put him first and when we really make that move in our life uh, for Jesus to be at the very center. Um, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that he will somehow magically give you more time, all right? It, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a, a, a bigger jar, that uh, you're going to get more hours in your day, you're going to get more days in your week, because none of us is going to get any of that. But what Jesus wants to do for us is he wants to lead and direct our lives in such a way that we can take all of these things. And, and I can't promise you that following Jesus means that some things won't have to change, uh, and that if he is truly leading your life, what he's going to do is he's going to give us wisdom, and He's going to give us passion, and He's going to give us direction uh, so that we can live our lives in a way that honor Him and in a way that you could say a way that works, uh, in a way that is satisfying, and a way that is fulfilling, and a life uh, that is full uh, of purpose. And so last week, and again today and for the next few weeks, uh, we're looking at the life of Jesus. And uh, we want to look to Him not only as our Savior and Lord, but also as a man who walked on this earth and uh, the example of His life, because there is no greater model. Uh, there is no greater example for us in how we should live uh, than to look to Jesus uh, and to look to Him because He was able uh, to make His life work. And as we discovered last week, and if you missed last week's message, you can always pick that up online and uh, through our website or podcast, uh, we discovered last week that Jesus, with His life, that He 
demonstrates for us what it means to keep God at the very center, to, to make sure that God is at the very center of your glass jar. And today we, what we want to do is we want to look at how Jesus not only made time for God and not only made God the priority in the very center, but how He also made time and room for people and how He calls us as His followers uh, to do the very same. And so, I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, uh, to take it right now, if you would, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the first book in the New Testament, to Matthew 22. And we've got some Bibles throughout the room as well. If you don't have a Bible today, you're invited to take one of those. Uh, it's our gift to you. But uh, Matthew 22, and let me just kind of set the scene uh, for you a little bit. If you were to spend some time with uh, the verses uh, kind of right here in this uh, area, this this chapter, you're going to find that Jesus has just finished schooling some guys, all right? I mean, he's really been throwing down uh, on a group of people that in his day were called the Sadducees, and the Sadducees basically believed that when you died, that was it, all right? There, there was nothing after uh, life, no afterlife, that when you die, you're done, you're just pushing daisies, and Jesus didn't believe that. In fact, he taught very passionately about what happens after you die, and it wasn't enough for him to just simply talk about it, uh, but if you know the story of Jesus, you know that later on in his life, he would die on a cross, and then he would show us in very literal form that there is life after death. But for now, uh, he's just arguing with these Sadducees, and on this particular occasion, again, he shuts them down, and so they've got to regroup, and they decide to go back to Jesus to send one of their own, a teacher of the religious law, to ask Jesus a question, and it's a trap question, really, all right? I mean, they're just simply trying to, to, to wrap Jesus up in a mess so that they can try and convict him, and that's where we pick up the story in Matthew 22, verse 36. Here's what this teacher of the law asked Jesus. He asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, we don't have time again to get into all that, but it's a trap, all right? And so, let's look to see how Jesus is going to respond. Jesus replied in verse 37, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And those are words that come right out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And in the New Testament, Jesus added the phrase, with all your mind. But basically what Jesus is saying is he's saying that God wants every bit of you. He wants every aspect of your life. He, if you would, wants to be in the jar first. He expects and demands to be in the jar, to be at the center of our life, and to come first. And that's what we were talking about last week. And so Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and allow this love for God to influence and shape every decision and move that you make and every priority and how you spend your time. And then he continues in verse 38. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is basically saying this. He's basically saying that, that the element of loving your neighbor and people around you and the element of being connected to other people and doing life with your friends and neighbors, that it is as important as our relationship with God. Now, make no mistake here. Jesus isn't saying that living in community with others is a good substitute for your relationship with God because that always comes first. But I think, well, I believe that he's saying that you got to do both. That as a follower of Jesus, our lives are made up of relationships, and first and foremost, it's made up of a vertical relationship between us and our Father. But I believe that what Jesus is getting at is that as we invest in our relationship with Father, it should be seen and evident 
in the way that we love other people. That our love for God should be reflected in the way that we love others. That our ability and our intentionality in loving other people and spending time with them is really a reflection of what's going on in our lives and in our relationship with God. And so Jesus says the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself too. And if you and I, if we want to follow the example of Jesus, then we must hear what Jesus is saying to us today that the Christian life, really, when you think about it, could be summed up in two things. Jesus says, love God with all your heart and spend your life loving people as you would love yourself. And I think that's good. And that's good for us to be reminded of and to think and to consider, especially in a place like Indiana, you know, right here in the Midwest, where if we're really honest, uh, we, we've, we've got a bunch in, our, in the Midwest today, especially a bunch of Olive Garden sort of Christians. Now, you might ask, what in the world is that? Well, they're Christians in the same way that Olive Garden is Italian, right? <laughs> Not really. But isn't it true? I mean, we've got a lot of people today that would say that they're Christians, but they, they, they don't really live that out. I mean, we have a bunch of cultural Christians. It's people who would say that their mom was a Christian. And so somehow that gets passed down, or they, they have a church that they attend on Easter or Christmas, or, or they might claim a church, but they've never made a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, their priority. And, and well, when you think about it, it's people. It's people like you and me too who maybe attend church every Sunday, and we know what the Bible has to say, but there's very little fruit or evidence of transformation going on in our lives. Man, that, 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 that was my life growing up in the church. I mean, my life growing up in the church was so much about all of the rules and practices and going to church. And I knew very little growing up of what it meant to really follow and to surrender my life to Jesus. And that's the work that He's been doing in me for so many years now of really showing me and helping me understand what it means to follow Him. And so Jesus says, if you want to follow me, and that's really the only option He's given us, then you must commit your life to loving God and loving the people around you. And, and since we spent time talking about our relationship with God last week, uh, I want to spend the rest of our time today focusing on what it means to love people, uh, what it means to, to be connected with other people, that, uh, to be connected to other followers of Jesus and with people in your church and the people around you, people that maybe have a relationship with Jesus Christ or even those that are still finding their way back to God. You know, one of the challenges uh, that we're up against today is that we live in, <clears throat> when you think about it, we live in the most connected time, really, uh, in all of human history. And for those of you that are a little older, like Ben Krause, sort of old, um, you probably remember uh, when phones were attached to the wall, all right? And that might be a shock to some of you, uh, but those phones were attached to the wall. And so that meant that you didn't have individual, you didn't have privacy, all right, as a teen, as a high school student living at home. You didn't have an iPhone where you could go into your room and make a call or something. But instead, uh, privacy then meant the really long cords, right? And if you were lucky enough to have one of those phone cords, you know what I'm talking about, that could stretch like 20 or 30 feet, well, then privacy meant that you didn't have to talk to your girl in the kitchen 
kitchen. Like you could actually walk around the corner and walk down the hallway and you could have a private uh, phone conversation. Well, but today, right, many of us, all of us probably uh, live in a world where you can talk or take a call uh, from anyone uh, from just about any place in the world. And with that, we can FaceTime and friends can sit in the same room and have text messaging conversations uh, with one another or we'll email people in the next office instead of popping in. And for so many of us, it's normal to talk to a handful of people today while we're excited about the fact that we have 500 friends on Facebook. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've maybe bumped into somebody who would say to me, hey, you know, something like, hey, Paul, um, I'm Jeremy you don't know who I am, but we're friends on Facebook, right? And then it's just like, well, let's hug then. I mean, if we're friends on Facebook, you know, I mean, then, then we've got this grounded relationship, but uh, that, that's not true. And my point is this, that we live in a time where it's easy to mistake digital community for the type of community that Jesus modeled for us and the type of community that He's after. And social media makes it easy for you Uh, in me to create a persona for everyone to see, but also at the very same time impossible for you to be really known. And whether we choose to admit it or not, and honestly, I, I think our culture refuses to admit this, I think more and more we're beginning to witness some of the negative effects of this digital culture, of our busyness, of our lack of authentic community and relationships, and I won't get into it. I, I think there are so many examples out there of this, and, and how sad to see someone like Robin Williams even take their own life. And uh, of course, we all know that there are so many complicating factors with his life and death, and, and what, a, what a neat guy and a funny guy, but I can't help but wonder how many people today are suffering because of the lack of real community, uh, the lack of, of people in their life. And, um, you know, it's so unfortunate that the busyness of our culture prevents us from really knowing others. And uh, we trade relationships that can make a difference for uh, digital ones that are easier to manage. I mean, think about it, you know, with a social media sort of friend, a Facebook friend, if they make you mad, you just unfriend them, right? I mean, that's just what we do and we move on. And um, I, I don't mean to rib on Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with things like Facebook and Instagram. And, and if we manage them well and we make sure that these things aren't controlling or consuming our lives. But when it comes to people and when it comes to the way we interact, I believe that Jesus commands every single one of us to spend time with other people and to love the people around us. And I just believe that Jesus has so much more in mind for us. And if you read through the Gospels, uh, you know, what do you find with Jesus? He spent time with people. He went out of his way for people, and, and in the messiness and in the ups and downs and, and busyness, Jesus was always making time for people, and he loved people, and he's called us to do the same. And so for you and, and for me and for us as Genesis Church, as a family, uh, as followers of Jesus, this is especially important uh, for us to, in fact, um, the first church uh, in the book of Acts um, was doing uh, what we saw Jesus doing uh, just one verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says, Every day, uh, the people of this church, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, 
If you read these passages and even study the book of Acts, you find over and over again that the people in this church or in these new churches uh, in the New Testament, they spent time with each other and they worshiped together each week and they met together in each other's homes. And it appears uh, that they had a large group gathering uh, and small group gatherings at the same time. And we see, and even through this little taste, that with the large group gathering, it was often focused around worship and teaching, and the small group gathering was all about community and sharing life together, and it was about connecting with other followers of Jesus or those that were just coming, and they probably ate pizza and salad and veggies and dips and desserts together like we do. I mean, they were sharing in life with one another, and that's the model that we're after here at Genesis, and that's the dream, that's the prayer and the vision uh, for what we have for Genesis Church and, and for you and how you make up this family that whenever we talk about uh, what we're becoming and what it means for, for you and me to call Genesis your church, we talk about what Ben mentioned just a moment ago. We talk about the three C's. Uh, and there in your notes, we talk about the importance of celebrating and connecting and contributing. That as followers of Jesus, we, our vision is that each person in this church, each person that is coming would be able to say, I'm living my life alongside, uh, kind of through each of these three C's. And the first C stands for celebrate. And celebrate uh, happens largely when we come together, not exclusively, uh, but when we gather in this room on a Sunday and we worship together. And it's what I challenge you uh, with last week is I challenge you to make celebrating uh, with us in worship a priority for you or for you and your family uh, each Sunday. Uh, The second C is connect. And connect happens best at Genesis through our small groups. Uh, It's all about relationships. Now, at Genesis, we call these small groups connection groups, and our connection groups meet in homes. They meet in places like Panera. Uh, They meet here right at the Noblesville campus and at our Carmel campus. And and this isn't true of all of our groups, but most of our groups are made up of anywhere from 10 to 20 people, and we have groups with couples, uh, and we have groups with singles, and we have groups with couples and singles, and we have men's groups, and we have women's groups, and we have groups for students too, and we have groups that have been meeting together for years now, uh, the same core of people. And we've got groups that are still very new, and we have groups with definite start dates and end dates, and groups that study the Bible together, and groups that when they meet, they take what they're learning here on Sundays, and they talk more about how these apply to life, and most importantly, uh, to our relationship with Jesus. And I just want you to know, and as already mentioned, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to join one of our connection groups. And if you're not currently in a group at Genesis, um, I believe that it is a great opportunity for you to get to know others, uh, but it can be so much more than that too because our groups provide a place uh, for you to share with uh, other people as you're growing and as they're growing in their relationship with Jesus, Uh, but also at the same time, it's just one more way in a great way, I believe, uh, to live out Jesus' command to love others. And so, um, just so that we're clear, uh, here's my challenge for you this week. If you're not in a group, or maybe you used to be in a group and you've taken a really, really long break, I'd like for you over the course of the next few weeks to really make a move and to consider stepping out and getting plugged in to one of our connection groups here at Genesis. And uh, I'd like for you to give that a shot to just simply try it and see what happens in your life uh, and in your group. And um, let's look at the flip side of that uh, for just a moment because uh, I want to talk just a second about what prevents us 
uh, from joining a group. Uh, for some people, uh, maybe you had an experience in the past, whether it be at another church or even here at Genesis, uh, an experience with a group in the past, and it wasn't so good, all right? You would say that it's a bad experience. I get that, all right? But I also realize that we have bad experiences at restaurants, all right? But usually, it doesn't keep us from eating out, all right? We'll try something else. And so, I would encourage you, if you've had a bad experience, to give it a shot again, uh, to give it another try. You know, maybe we'd say we're too busy too and uh, that we don't have the time. And hey, I know this. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this. Uh, it's the case for all of us. But let me ask you this. If you found out later today that you won an all-expenses trip, uh, paid trip uh, for a vacation to let's to not, not Terre Haute, all right, not something like Terre Haute, but like Hawaii, all right, and it's legit, and you don't have to sit through a meeting or a timeshare presentation or anything, but you want a free vacation, wouldn't you do everything that you could to rearrange your schedule and priorities to make sure that you could take that trip? I'd say you're crazy if you wouldn't. I think we all would, and we're all busy, I know that, and just for some of you, I think we would do well, you would do well to reconsider your priorities so that you could do these things and get connected if you're not already uh, to others at Genesis. But here's the other thing. Do you know what else keeps us from our groups? I think it's the messiness. I think it's the potential mess that we know that people are messy, and marriages are messy, and we're messy. And sometimes we're just afraid of others finding out how much of a mess we really are. And here's the thing about Jesus. We see some of His greatest work in the messiness. And some of the greatest evidence of the work of God in this world is found and discovered when people get together and play together and eat together and talk about Jesus together and pray together. And when real community is happening and real trust is built, we discover that we've all got our messiness and the one thing, the other thing that we have in common is that we all need Jesus and that we're all desperate for a Savior. And I've experienced this. I've been meeting uh, with the same group of men now for the past two years on Wednesday mornings. And uh, we, we meet here in the building and we enjoy each other and new people come in from time to time and we're talking about what we're learning in life and we talk about our ups and downs and we talk about home and we talk about work and we realize that none of us is perfect and we're doing our best to love each other as Jesus has commanded us to do. I, I witnessed this the other night. I stopped by one of our connection groups the other night, and the house was just packed full of people that were standing and talking and eating pizza together, and the kids were all running around and just having a great time in the backyard. And I just have to be real honest, it just filled my heart with joy to see Genesis people talking to each other and laughing and just doing life together. And, um, you know, every morning, every Wednesday morning, there's a group of women uh, who come right here into this building and they drink coffee together and they eat together and then they sit down and they read the Bible together and they talk about life and they're praying for each other and they're loving Jesus as He's commanded us to do. Jesus said, let me make this as simple and as clear as I can for you. Here's what it means to follow me. You love your God, love our Father, and love the people that are around you. And so my challenge for you is to get in a group and to maybe just give it a try. Uh, we've got groups that are starting in the next few weeks. They're going to run for seven, for eight weeks, and, and to give it a shot. And uh, 
You're going to have an opportunity over the next couple of weeks to sign up for those groups. And if you don't trust yourself to wait, like not doing it today, that there's a greater chance that you won't act on that, what I'd encourage you to do is to take out one of those connection cards. You can find it in one of the seat backs in the row that you're in. Put your name on that card, your email address. There's a box there for connection groups. Check that box. We'll help hold you accountable. Uh, We'll help you uh, in finding a group of people uh, that you can connect with. You can take that card after the service out to our info hub and drop it off. You can bring it to me uh, if you need to, and I'll take it for you. Uh, but let's just try it as a way of living out Jesus' command that we love others. Now, I realize and I get that Jesus' command about loving others is so much more, all right, than joining a connection group, that his command to love others has everything to do with how we live uh, with the people around us, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, in fact, Steve Wall and our Carmel campus pastor is going to be here next Sunday as I'm going to teach over at our, our Carmel campus, but he's going to talk about this. He's going to talk about that third C contribute next week, but until then, let me just leave you with a few thoughts to be thinking about as we think about what it means to love others even outside of this place uh, and with the people around us. Jesus said, love God and love others. Uh, And so let's ask, how can we set ourselves up to love people uh, and to live life well? The first thing is this. I just want to challenge you to be willing to make yourself available. I mean, over and over again in the Scripture, we see God do some pretty amazing things through people who had no special gifts or talents. They were just willing, and they stayed available. And uh, look at it like this. If if you're single um, or if you remember being single, Did you ever get frustrated with friends that were trying to set you up all the time? Um, And chances are that maybe it it was a married person uh, and they thought it was just kind of their job or their right or their responsibility uh, to set you up. And and if that's you, uh, like if you're the matchmaker, all right, if you're the one uh, doing that work, why do you do that? Well, Maybe it's because you're happily married and you want your friend to enjoy that sort of happiness, or maybe it's because misery loves company too, uh, but I hope not. I hope that's not the case. But no, I, I hope, uh, I think that uh, it's our hope that because we want our friends to experience some of the great things that we're experiencing or, or the love or something like the love that you've experienced, and so maybe we're willing to do whatever we can to help people find the love of their life. But Genesis, I want to say this to you, I hope that in the same way that we'd want to help someone find a husband or find a wife, that we'd be willing to do whatever we could to help people around us discover the love and the hope that is available to us in Jesus Christ, that that would become our consuming passion in the way that we live our lives and the way that we interact with others. And this can happen in our groups. Uh, It can happen as we're inviting others to our church and into our connection groups, but but connecting and loving others uh, can also happen in your neighborhood, and it can happen on your dorm floor. Uh, It can happen in your school or in your apartment, but unfortunately, so many times we're just too busy, and we're so distracted. And because we have a garage that we can drive into or we've got a back porch that we can sit on so that we don't have to be bothered, so often relationships with our neighbors are so artificial and just never happen. Here's the thing, and again, we'll talk about this next week. As followers of Jesus, we're on mission. And we're not called into this world to simply be different, but we're called into this world to make the world different. That's what we're after. And so I want to challenge you to be unique. And for some of you, that won't be very challenging to do something like that. It won't be hard, but be willing to be known by the people around you. Be available. Uh, Be front yard sort of people as much as you can and love people by inviting them into your life and inviting them into your home and maybe over for a meal. And the same is true 
when you come into this building on Sundays too. And, and here's where I'd also like to help, ask for your help on Sundays. Um, if you call Genesis your church or you're still kind of checking everything out, um, would you help us out? Uh, would you help us out uh, as a way of loving people, as a way of welcoming people and inviting people in? I mean, uh, here's what I'm after. I mean, what if you made it your goal every week, every Sunday that you came into this building here at Genesis to, to meet someone new? Uh, just made it a goal to meet one new person. And if you've got a family, make it a family event. Make it a challenge for your kids too. And then report back to each other when you drive away on a Sunday to meet one new person and, and to welcome them because it might not only make a difference for someone else who is coming and searching, but ultimately what you might discover too is that it can make all the difference in your life and your love for God and people too. And so be willing. The second thing is to be interruptible. And we see this time and time again in Jesus. I mean, he, he was on his way to heal a dying girl and a woman comes up, a woman who's hurting, and she interrupts Jesus and she's healed. And another time, he's teaching a large group of people, and they're packed inside of this house. And the house, again, it's just packed tight, but there are these guys who have a friend who is paralyzed, and they are desperate to get their friend to Jesus so that he can be healed. And so they tear off the roof, and they lower their friend down through the roof to see Jesus. And because Jesus is interruptible, lives will change forever on this particular day. See, Jesus knew that loving people means that your schedule and my schedule, it's going to get interrupted from time to time. And he knew that loving people means taking on others' concerns. And so many times we don't want to join a group or love others and be in relationships because it's going to take away from our time. But Jesus showed us so many times that one of the precious gifts that you can give someone is your time and your effort. And so be willing, be interruptible, and uh, if you need any motivation at all, I mean, if you're waiting for God to do something new or something extraordinary in your life, that greater work might be on the other side of some interruptions that He is waiting for you to respond to. The last thing is this, be intentional. Uh, don't walk away today without making a commitment in some way, asking the Lord to do something through your life, something that you can be intentional in. God created us for relationships. He created us for this church, and He created us for the people that you're sitting around right now, those that are still coming or uh, that you've yet to get to know. And as you prepare to go today, I just want to challenge you, will you make the effort to be intentional? You know, ask the Lord to help you be intentional about the way that you reach out and the way that you open yourself up to others. If you're not in a group, join a group. Again, make an effort to get to know the people around you and here on Sundays and invite from, uh, friends in and neighbors into your life. Let, let your love for Jesus shine through your life as you make time and as you serve and as you talk and you spend time with other people. Let me illustrate um, this one more way uh, before we close. One of the benefits of loving others and why I just think being intentional can make a tremendous difference uh, in your life or maybe for someone else. Uh, some of you know that Genesis Church lost a wonderful young man uh, two weeks ago, uh, a guy by the name of Jonathan Brumley. 
uh, was 26 years old and died unexpectedly at his home. And if you've been around Genesis uh, for any time at all, you've probably seen or been welcomed by Jonathan, uh, maybe even right here on a Sunday morning. And you could say so many wonderful things about Jonathan's life. He was happy and he laughed, and his life was full of joy, and his love for Jesus uh, was so evident. And whenever you talk to him, if you had an opportunity to interact with him, he would make you feel like you were the most important person in the room. Well, Jonathan is the son to Todd and Jackie Brumley. Uh, they've got a brother, he's got a brother, Chris, too, and the Brumleys currently attend our Carmel campus, and I had the opportunity, maybe like some of you, to attend the celebration service at our Carmel campus uh, this past Saturday, one week ago, and uh, it was such a great service and the perfect way to celebrate, uh, again, Jonathan's life and his love for Jesus, and it was so touching for me to see all of the people who were coming and so much more for the Brumleys, all of the people who were coming and all of the friends and all of the family and people from this church and people from the Brumleys Connection Group. And, and here's the thing, one of the many things that I noticed last week, Todd and Jackie have always been very intentional about their relationships. And as long as I've known them, they have always been a part of a connection group here at Genesis. And it was just so encouraging to see all of the people from this church this past week and from their connection group, people that were serving. And these were friends that were at the hospital with them, friends that had gone to their home with them shortly after Jonathan had died. It was people who were preparing meals, who were serving these meals, and who were all serving and playing a critical part in this celebration event last week. I hope every one of us, everyone here today will know the benefits of being in relationships with others, especially people from this church. And from, for the Brumleys, they, again, have been intentional about these relationships. And because of it, they are able to lean on those relationships and these relationships now in one of the more challenging seasons in their life. And so much of it comes out of the fact that they've been intentional. And so I want to challenge you and I want to remind you to be intentional and to make room in your life if you're not already for others and to be in relationships with others. And, and let's make a move out of obedience and faithfulness for our love for the Lord and the example that we want to follow in Jesus and, and be those people that demonstrate our love for God with others and the way that we act with them. Uh, dean Furge was a good friend to Jonathan and a dean attends here and I think he said it so well. He paid such a great tribute to his buddy Jonathan last week in the service. He said, I got a hunch that one day when I get to heaven, Jonathan might be the one who introduces me to Jesus. And you know what? That's the part you and I have been called to play. Our lives, our church is all about introducing people to Jesus and loving God and loving others is one of the ways that we open the door for others to see Him and to maybe know Him and to reach out to Him and be changed forever. You know, for some of you today, maybe your experience even here this morning is part of that door opening to see Jesus for who He really is. God's Son who loves you and who gave His life out of love to forgive you and is just waiting for you to come in. He's inviting you into relationship with Him. And if that's the work that He's doing in your life today, I pray that you'll respond. 
And you can respond even as we pray now and even as we sing together, but just maybe even praying those words, Lord Jesus, come in. Take hold of my life today. We'd love to help you in that too and get started in that. If you want to share with us, we'll be up front after the service. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus and the example of his life, the gift of his life, Lord, and the reminder, uh, the importance, the, pr the priority of loving you first and allowing that love to motivate us so that we can be love for others. God, help us make a move. Whatever that next step is, that next intentional step that you want to make in our lives, God, maybe even as you're revealing it right now, give us the faith to take that next step for you, to be changed forever, to be different, to make the world different for the, for the name of your son and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sting.